0: Welcome to the Bruins Success Podcast. Today's interview is with Ruben Garcia. He has a BA in sociology and graduated in 2008. Ruben currently serves as CAA's foundation executive and co-head of their cultural business strategy group. He began his career as a campus recruitment representative at Disney's Interactive Media Group. Then he served as a campus recruiter for Paramount Pictures. In August, 2011, he started his 10-year tenure at Creative Artists Agency. Ruben managed the company's global internship program, launched CAAEDU for internal career development, and established CAA's employee committee initiative to provide a platform for discourse on diversity issues. During his time at UCLA, he was an active student volunteer and leader with the Student Alumni Association, and he currently serves as a member of the UCLA Alumni Entertainment Industry Cabinet. Welcome Ruben to the podcast. Well, welcome to the Bruins Success Podcast, Ruben. Glad to have you here.
1: Thanks so much for having me and for the invite. I'm excited.
0: Why don't we jump right in? Um, we want to hear about your professional trajectory so far, um, from you know your studies at UCLA, the things you were involved in, um, and then now um, in your current role. So take us through the journey that is Ruben Garcia.
1: Yeah, I'll give you the quick uh, Wikipedia intro, if you will, try to cover as much territory as I can. So I, I'm a, a Southern California native and had always, you know, dreamed of going to UCLA. And I think when I landed on campus, I had my eyes set on on working in the entertainment industry, but didn't know in what capacity. So I was really lucky to do a bunch of different things while I was on campus. Uh, I was a sociology major, which was really great, but took a lot of classes in the film and TV school. Nice. I was in... The student alumni association, which I absolutely loved, and also did camp Kesem while I was on campus for a number of years. A bunch of internships, and really used my time on campus to just explore. And I think looking back on it, um, recognizing that I didn't want to focus so much on a on a particular type of job that I wanted to have, but more, you know, what are my kind of natural skill sets? What are the things that fuel my professional metabolism? And what I realized, you know, certainly working. Up towards my senior year, when as part of CAA, I got to um, direct Spring Sing, I realized like I really love like projects and I love production and I love um, getting my hands dirty. um, And I really want to pursue this, you know, producer route and see, you know, what that that turns into. Um, Mostly because, again, I was like, I knew what I liked to do and what I didn't like to do. Um, And so I was working towards that, graduated in 2008 when there were no jobs. (laughs) Most of my friends, because of the the situation with the economy, were, you know, a lot of us were looking for work, weren't finding like that quote unquote dream job or starter job. Um, And so lucky for me, I did get an email from the Alumni Association about a career fair on campus and I went. And somehow landed an internship at Disney Consumer Products as an intern um, running the internship program. Oh, um, wow. I like to tell people that I was kind of like the head elf. Um, <laughs> I was an intern myself, but I had my own departments that I was recruiting for. I was running all the programming. And that's kind of how I got my start. It just was something, again, my skill set. I'm a people person. And um, my, my boss was like, hey, I think you would be good at this. I'll give it a shot. And so I did because there was, there was nothing else there. And that's um, how I actually got my start in recruiting. I was at Disney Consumer Products as an, as an intern. And when my internship ended, I moved over to Disney Interactive, um, worked in technology and gaming, and realized you know, tech and gaming wasn't really an industry that I was passionate about. So I left my full-time job and took a leap um, to start my own recruiting practice and was contracted out at Paramount. Worked there for eight months. Um, and for those listening, they know how the contract game works. When your time is up, your time is up. Um, And fortunately, when my time was, was done at Paramount, I I got a phone call from a headhunter about a job at very kind of sneaky, like a media and entertainment company is looking for a recruiter. That's the extent of the information that I had. Um, And it turned out that that company was CAA. And while I did not get that recruiter job, they were able to find another position for me at the company um, that turned out to be probably the best thing for my career. Uh, I came to the agency in August of 2011, started as a campus recruiter because that was my background. But because of the entrepreneurial nature of the of the company and of the business, I've been able to kind of grow into different areas of the business. I started, you know, um, actually the best way to think of it is like, I was kind of like an internal consultant. I did mm. some recruiting. Um, I did some, early kind of strategy around our diversity, equity, and inclusion work. Um, I did some uh, strategy around a learning and development platform for the company called CAAEDU um, that I have kind of since built and handed off to the company for others to run. And then slowly started dipping my toe into the client work and being kind of a, uh, an executive and a strategic and cultural advisor for clients of the company. Oh, wow. um, and it's been great. I mean, honestly, I, I'm really fortunate to be able to say that I think I've gotten to the point where I was able to write my own job description and with the support of some great people at this company have been able to grow my career in a lot of different ways. So um, yeah, that, that, that's, the, that's the short of it all.
0: Well, that's fantastic. I do have a couple questions based on your quick Wikipedia job, <laughs> you know, job trajectory. Um, Well, first you mentioned that you, again, were part of the Student Alumni Association SAA and you led the Spring Sing Committee. You were leading the committee that picked the people that planned the show. How did that experience, I guess, feed your, like you were saying, professional metabolism, get you excited to pursue an area which, you know, is similar, which is entertainment. How did that like impact you?
1: I mean, in, in so many ways that it's almost hard to make a full and comprehensive list but I think you know the thing about SAA that I really appreciated is that it really I treated it like an internship I didn't treat it like an extracurricular right I think people especially with a lot of the things that we do on campus and even when I think about some advice that I would give in my recruiting days I would say you as the president of an org you basically have a full-time internship and you should think of it as such you should think of it or the benefit that it's adding to kind of your professional portfolio that skill set that you're bringing um, to the real world and you know SAA to me was like the internship of internships not only was I responsible and part of like the board of directors to help with like the strategic vision and the goals for SAA for the year um, but also as it related to Spring Sing it was like how do we bring all of these elements together, but also how do we make it our own? How do we like lean into this insanely important campus tradition, but also make it a point to kind of like leave our legacy behind a little bit, right? Um, And you know, the great thing about SA and the way that it it trained us was like, we're, we're very collaborative. Everybody had their lane, but everybody also had a voice and a seat at the table. And I've taken that style of thinking and that style of leadership with me everywhere that I've gone. Um, because it was so impactful to the way that I've been able to develop my career. Um, but I do think, you know, going back on it, I, I really loved the opportunity and took very seriously the responsibility to represent UCLA through that platform that was SpringSync. And to, again, as I was saying, like, build on the tradition but to give and to, to feed into the legacy into the impact of the work. So one of the things that we did, right, that I'm still super proud of in all the years that we've gone to Spring Sing is we sat and we recognized my, my senior year in 2008 that the company was working just as hard as the talent. And I was like, but, you know, we don't recognize them. We don't give them a moment to celebrate the work that they've done. You know, they come and they entertain us but they put in a lot of work and hours. And so we created the company award my year. Mm. Um, We allowed space for those folks that were also part of this massive tradition to get some attention and love and recognition for the work that they put in, Um, right? Because anybody who's listening in that's been on company knows those hours of writing and practicing and rehearsing and skit, it's a lot. And so in the spirit of like building and leaving legacy, I'm so proud that my committee from 2008 gets to look back on that moment and say, hey, we- we did this for our community too and for all of the artists that are going to be coming through Spring Sing for years to come. But I I say all of that to say I I take that approach to everything that I do, not just what do we do to get to the finish line, but how do we get to the finish line and also move that finish line a little bit further for, um, for improvement and progress and scale and growth. Um, And that's definitely something that I learned in in SAA and through the work of of Spring Sing. There's no doubt in my mind.
0: Love it. No, and you definitely had that impact because they still have that award today. Yeah, it's exciting. You know, that experience has been a big part of some of our students and alumni's uh, experience and it does bring people together. But, you know, in your work too, you're doing that in many ways bringing people together, honoring those that don't often get their voices heard. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you tell us more about your current position and what a day in the life looks like um, like as a CAA Foundation Executive and co-head of the Cultural Business Strategy Group?
1: Can you tell us more about that? Super interesting, right? Well, I'll start by saying that for those of us in this industry that work in these types of jobs, there is no day in the life. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's always, you know, one of the, the most interesting questions to answer because in this line of work, if you're doing it right, no two days should look the same. Um, and I think even as a young professional, you know, I found ways to build my calendar and build my schedule in ways that allowed me to do my work and do my business the way that I need to, but also find ways, as I mentioned earlier, to kind of feed my own personal professional metabolism, right? Which is... A phrase that I learned from a former colleague and, and friend of mine, Christy Hobbaker, who runs inclusion at Warner Media.
0: Yeah. Um, can you define that a little bit? Uh, define what that means?
1: Yeah. This It's just this idea of how, like, you know, for me personally, you know, feeding my professional metabolism is the way that I think about my life's work, right? We all have our jobs every day, day in and day out. You come in, you have the grind, you have the meetings, the things that you have to deliver on. But feeding your professional metabolism to me is the stuff that contributes to kind of my life's work and my legacy, right? So the time that I spend getting up and dedicating to projects that I know um, are central to like what my core, what I define as my core purpose, right? So I will walk around day in and day out and tell people at the end of the day, my North Star, my big picture dream is to change the complexion of this industry in front of and behind the camera and in the corporate offices that we're working with every day. How that works and what that means changes every day, right? In some days it's being on a call with a client talking about marketing strategies for their new comic book, which just happened a few weeks ago, right? In some cases, it's dedicating, you know, an hour of my week to informational interviews with other Bruins who have questions about my life and my career and how I got to where I am. That feeds my professional metabolism in, in that way. So I think for me, it's just how am I waking up every day and making sure that the work that I'm doing and the resources and energy that I'm dedicating are feeding into that overall goal and mission for my career. Because at the end of the day, I might not be at this company for the rest of my career. Um, I I'm, I tell people all the time, I'm right now, You know, I'm 35 years old and I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. But I know the impact and the legacy that I want to have. And that is all kind of fed by, you know, my work towards that vision of just changing the complexion of our industry inside and out.
0: That's great. Um, you know, before we go to the next question, I did want to, dig. I know, I know two days aren't quite the same, you yeah. know, with the work that you do, but tell me a little bit about, you know, with the foundation and also this cultural business strategy sure. group, what are some of your, you know, I guess, main key objectives, you know, in your role, what are you hoping to move the needle on in CAA? Yeah at your
1: company. Yeah, it's. I'm happy to kind of give more detail because it can be a little bit confusing. So in the, in the trajectory of my career at CA, I've been very fortunate to land in this place where I spend half of my time, I'd say, as a foundation executive and half of my time in this kind of cultural business category. Um, on the foundation side, our job is to essentially be agents for philanthropy, right? So that's the easiest way for people to understand the work that we do. But instead of working similar to my colleagues in film and television to help people generate business opportunities, we are figuring out how to build and implement that same level of strategy and structure to someone's philanthropic and charitable work. So we want people to have um, a long-term plan for their impact, um, whether that's through personal giving or uh, a fundraising campaign or starting their own nonprofit or becoming an ambassador for an existing nonprofit. We just try to figure out well what is the platform that you're building in business what does that reach look like and how do we uh, create impact through that work so that's the foundation side on the flip side um, is the cultural business work which essentially means that i work across the agency and all of the departments film tv speakers you know books publishing and endorsements to try to provide my colleagues in those departments and my and the clients who activate within those departments with insights and information that drive and accelerate opportunities for for people of all underrepresented backgrounds. So that's people of color, people who identify as LGBTQ, um, women, people with disabilities, you know, the the list goes on and on and on. And so our job is to do as much as we can to support business growth and development across the various uh, areas of the agency. That could mean, um, you know, co-authoring a research report on representation in television. That could mean pulling like viewership data for a television show um, on a streaming service as a client is getting ready to go in and advocate for another season pickup. Um, That could be sitting and talking to clients and, you know, hearing their incredible story and being like, you know what, are you working with a speaker's agent to go out in the speaking circuit and speak on campus or to speak in large corporations? Um, as I mentioned earlier, it could be getting a phone call on a marketing campaign. Hey, this new movie's coming out. We're trying to reach consumers in X demographic. What can we do with that, right? So that's me partnering with studios and networks and, and you know, the clients themselves. So the, the overall goal is to create more business, to show mm-hmm. the value of business that is more representative and more authentic to the world in which we live, um, and to really change the narrative in our business, we talked a lot about, especially in the early days of, of you know, the diversity and inclusion conversation, a lot of it was a, a number counting game. Well, how mm-hmm. do we, how many X of X do you have in the room, right? How many this of that is in the room? Um, and now it's really about integrating and saying, well, the value of having this in the room means this on the impact of our business, right? So mm-hmm. it's, really about how do we have a conversation around meeting the financial and cultural bottom lines of the work that we do across the popular culture landscape. That was a mouthful.
0: I think that's awesome because, you know, in so many ways, entertainment, media, so impacts the culture. Um, It sets the culture many times. It defines culture. Um, And with everything that has transpired in the last two years, I think there's many companies that are being held accountable for the impact that they're making. And right. so you being part of being pulled into these conversations is great because before things are made, you're having an impact to hopefully keep things that are negative to the culture or not representative of the culture from hitting the screens or our computers. But you're also thinking holistically about business because, I think in so many ways, business also impacts the culture more than people give it credit for. They set standards. They set, you know, how people should be treated or Um, presented. I think that's fantastic that CAA has someone like you and a team like you um, to kind of keep people in check too. So I'm sure you have a lot of hard conversations and a lot of truth telling moments where you have to be the person to a lot. Say what needs to be said or else yeah. it's a negative article or a bad uh, press or something.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think you, ma- you make so many really good points. And I think one of the important things about, you know, as we continue down this path and we start talking about the value of, you know, inclusive business and we start thinking about the value of authentic representation in whatever projects we have, um, you know, it, it it's, it's an every... And every one problem. Every single person in this industry has a role in the responsibility of shifting narrative, shifting representation, right? Some of us more than others, but the more we can approach it proactively and not have to always be responding to the fire drill. And more than anything else, not creating fire drills for uh-huh. ourselves, because yeah. we do that a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being mindful, like what we need is, is for everybody to be thinking this, and that's a lot of the work that we do um, in this space as well, to make sure that we are educating people on, you know, what does authentic LGBTQ representation look like in a TV show? What does accurate Muslim representation look like? What does it mean to address the climate issue in a story, You know, the, mm-hmm. the climate justice in, in a, in a storyline on your TV show? These are all things like we're educated every day by, by the media. Um, and so the more that we're all invested in that work, I think the better off we'll be. Because the other thing, you know, that we've certainly learned is a lot of times the, you know, the, the people that get called on to come up with solutions to these issues and to these problems are people from the community that are being impacted. Yeah. And there's significant emotional labor that goes into yes. that, right? For as a recruiter... The, you know, the number of people that come in that need to vent and that need to kind of get things off their chest and this and like, there is that emotional labor. So the more that we can create like a thoughtful, inclusive, um, accountable culture around our industry, I think the better off we're all going to be.
0: Mm-hmm. I think uh, what's also been interesting too, is to hear your story. You're, you know, seen as an expert in this area, but that probably didn't happen overnight. You it seems like within CAA, you've been here for 10 years, you started, you know, in recruitment, and then you've, you know, kind of moved into this now business leading business Mm -hmm. defining work. How do you like, how have you seen your roles evolve? And how did that shape your thinking and the expertise that you now bring into your role?
1: So much. I mean, I I am always so hesitant when people are like, it seems like you're an expert in this space. I'm like, I don't know that anybody's an expert in anything, but I think people develop expertise and knowledge and an understanding. And I think it's all of our responsibilities to do that. right?" And the one thing that continues to drive me every day as I go about my work is um, you know, this idea that, and, and I, I steal this from my work partner in crime, Natalie Tran, Um, you know, one day she said, you know, every day is a school day. And I think she just said it flippantly, like, you know, learning something new every day. And I'm like, you know what? No, every day is a school day. Like every day is an opportunity to learn. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily about work. Like, You don't have to crack open the study guide to learn. Mm -hmm. Like watching a TV show that you wouldn't normally watch is going to teach you something. Like you just go about your day every day and you're learning something new. Um, And so I think that's just had to be the driving force as this industry starts to develop its, you know, point of view and narrative around inclusion and equity, right? It's Mm -hmm. this, you know, it's learning to call people out when they, you know, they, when you can be the teacher, but Mm -hmm. always allowing yourself to be the student. Because I think what we've seen kind of going to your original question is, you know, our relationship to this conversation should continue to evolve, yeah. We're never going to get to that place where it's like, okay, we're done. As much as I'd That's like right. to work myself out of a job, mm-hmm. I don't know that it's in the best interest of our culture, of our industry, of our business to do that. Um, I think we need to continue pushing and promoting, you know, individuality and authenticity in as many ways as we can, whether it's in allowing people to show up the work that the way they want to show up or the stories that they want to tell and they put on screen. Um But I think the most interesting thing that's happened over the course of the past couple years is that, you know, it's almost kind of become this, this interesting scenario where people are learning about diversity, equity, inclusion in our industry at the same time that they're trying to act. And it's that balance of like, well... How do I act from a really educated point of view to have an impact in a space that I know I know about? In equity and inclusion conversations, a lot of times people are like, "I want to be the solution. How am I the solution? How can we become the solution?" And the thing is, like, to solve this problem is a big job. I don't want to be the solution. God mm-hmm. no, that's a lot of work. I don't have that kind of time. Mm-hmm. I want to take a nap. I want like <laughs> that's, that's going to be a twenty four seven job. Yeah, but. How do I become a solution, right? Mm-hmm. How, do I, yeah. how do I understand my platform, my reach, what I can do with with um, my job and the the role that I have at my company to have an impact on this issue? And so, that that's the thing that I think we, um, you know, we're trending towards. It's starting to get mm-hmm. people to understand that this big issue can be solved by little steps and actions made by people at all different spaces across this industry. And I love that. I love that because it, it really allows you to get excited about what you know and sharing information about what you know and developing, again, your expertise in a really you know meaningful and impactful way. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has access to invest in new films. Not everybody has the capacity or bandwidth to start a writer's program. Not everybody has, you know, on and on and on and on and on. But when you really peel back the layers of the onion and you say, well, look, what I can do is this, Mm -hmm. that's where I've started to see more impact, right? Mm -hmm. It's people really questioning that. And then I'll say, you know, the last thing is, um, you know, really getting people to think about and understand the why, to mm-hmm. articulate the why for them. Yeah. right? And I think for us at CA, we've known for a long time the why. We know why this work is important to us. But as people are starting to come into this and you know, instead of jumping immediately into action, a lot of the companies that I've consulted, I've said, you need to sit down with your leadership and your employees and you need to define why this is important to you. Because mm-hmm. why it's important to you is not the same reason as why it's important to CAA, which is not the same reason why it's important to some of my clients. Blah, blah, blah. And that's okay. That's Mm -hmm. really an okay thing. Um, But if you can't define that for yourself and if you can't really lean into that, then you're starting from a really, really challenging place.
0: Mm -hmm. And you can see that sometimes with certain companies or individuals who are doing things that are kind of almost like false actions. You know that they're kind of hollow they create something, but it's not yep. really truly supported. So yep. if they kind of let it die and then say, oh, mm-hmm. this is, it didn't work out. And you're like, well, you didn't let it work out. Yeah. You didn't give it what it needed to, you know, really thrive. You know, I think it's amazing that you are in a role where you're actually helping to build infrastructure and even support on the business side, art and creativity that is highlighting Of different cultures and you know perspectives because you need both you need the art you need the artists and the creators you need the content but then you also need the appetite in the in the business rooms and offices and the deal making spaces that are saying hey like we need it where is it because if they're not looking for it or willing to to take a chance then the artists don't have that ability how have you found that maybe in your 10 years how have you seen that change like or is it not has it been slow change has it been quick change how has that changed in, you've always up. been an advocate of, you know pushing forward this so
1: yeah actually honestly going back now that it, we had to go down that little path of you know down memory lane yeah um, i'm remembering that one of the very first assignments that i got when i was hired into my internship at disney consumer products was diversity focused and they're like we need to diversify our pipeline of candidates for our internships and so from day one <laughs> From day one, my very first job in that space was, how do I do that? And I had to do that specifically within my departments. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I didn't know this back then. But what I started realizing over the course of my career, particularly here at CAA, is, you know, there's not enough conversation around the cultural, economic, and social barriers that have precluded people from underrepresented communities from participating and engaging in this industry right? I can tell story after story after story of young people that I've met who have had to turn down a dream internship because the company that I was at or the company that I was offering them an internship at didn't have any, you know, a pay that was going to allow them to actually get through the summer, which is Mm -hmm. a challenge that multiple companies in this industry have that many people are trying to challenge. Um, But I think, you know, for me, going back to your original question, I think one of the other areas in which we've been able to grow this conversation, and we've been able to move this conversation, rather, is an understanding that diversity work is not charitable work, mm-hmm. right? Understanding that there are cultural, social, and economic barriers that have led to people being underrepresented in this industry, recognizing that. Creating opportunities for people is not charitable. Everybody, you know, the, the, the everybody comes to the table with their own unique talents, but not everybody has the access and opportunity to connect um, for really meaningful employment or meaningful creative jobs, et cetera. Right. So I think what I am encouraged by is that people are now starting to understand that the work in this space is an investment in addressing those range of factors that have precluded people from being able to be successful in this industry. Mm -hmm. Are we going to solve this problem tomorrow by hiking up all of the pay to a certain space? No, because that ignores the fact that people still need education and learning and knowledge to help set them up for success in this industry, right? I think that is a really... um, important consideration when we think about how to effectively do this work, which is to see it not just as a singular issue, but a singular issue Mm -hmm. that is surrounded by an insane ecosystem of Mm problems, challenges. Mm -hmm. And so again, I keep going back. I I ramble from time to time as you can. I love
0: it. It's a great ramble.
1: Right. But I think again, when we get back to that, to that original question, I think it's, you know, we've made tr- significant progress in helping people understand and reframe what this issue means to this industry mm-hmm. and to change their language. And even in the way that they talk about it, right? Like I used to get really like frustrated when I'd hear people say like, you know, we just got to give them a chance, give someone a chance. I'm like, uh-huh. no, 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 no. Like that's not like la- that, that language does something to your psyche and to the unconscious bias in your brain that gives you the perception of how to work and interpret and interact with, 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 that person that you're talking about right so i think it's getting to the point where we talk about people's skill they're really fabulous at crafting worlds this person is incredible with dialogue this person really understands this issue area like leaning into that and Mm elevating people based on skill and craft Mm -hmm. instead of well we got to give someone a chance to really impact our numbers yeah that's been i think a, a big shift for us um internally and externally across the industry that I think is going to have significant impact in the next few years.
0: That's, yeah, you're so right. Language frames so much. That's the expectation. Um, And by you saying, changing, you know, let's just change the language we use, you know, and let's change the focus. It, it allows people to come in and be them and also show so much, you know, open people's eyes to so many things. So, well, I, you know, again, I'm going to take a little bit of a a little turn in our conversation because, um, you know, we've worked together in many, you know, opportunities. You are an avid volunteer, uh, you know, in the alumni association and you actually serve on our entertainment industry cabinet. Um, And, you know, many of the things that you've shared with me, you know, I really want to give our podcast listeners an opportunity to hear as well. Um, And, you know, a lot of it comes to the advice and the, you know, guidance you would give to Bruins who may be listening, whether they're students or alumni that want to get into the entertainment industry. Um, So, you know, what advice do you have for Bruins who are interested in pursuing a career in entertainment, maybe on the business or the creative side? Or, and what is a common mistake you see Bruins make when trying to connect with alumni in entertainment? Because we always hear, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know, but, you know, I think it's a little bit of both, right? It's that coming in with the skills to back up maybe the connection that you're making, but what are the feedback and tips and, you know, strategies you would suggest?
1: Oh, Gloria, you know, we could do a whole part two just on this topic, (laughs) but We'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it here too. I mean, look, first, I, I'll say this. I, it's been an incredible privilege and honor to be able to give back to the university and to the school that made me the person that I am. And that's why I do it, right? I think I've said this to you and I've said this to others. You know, Angela Scales, my former advisor, has heard this from me multiple times um you know i'm i'm the person that i am as a result of the experiences that i've had on campus and we talked a little bit about that earlier with with saa so i take the responsibility very seriously um to be able to give back i haven't you know i used to get the phone calls about donating to the sociology department and this and that and i haven't always been able to do that but my time is is you know something that i'm always willing to give because i think it's important to give what you can and Mm -hmm. so I've, I've always enjoyed every opportunity that I've been able to volunteer and, and be a part of any programs on campus. Um, to your original question, I think there's a couple of things. I'll start by, by reflecting on my own experience. And that is um, you kind of have to be open to opportunity, right? You know, another piece of, of advice that I got when I first started here at CIA was you don't know what you don't know. And that is so true, right? There, there's so many, opp- I, I could not have in a million years planned to have this job mm-hmm. ever. This, me having this job is a direct result of me taking an opportunity because I needed one mm-hmm. and turning it into something that helped me build a skill set that has been insanely useful throughout the course of my career. Um, and so my first piece of advice is like, d- don't be afraid that time is going to run out, right? It's, it's you've got Time and I get that it feels frustrating, and you're going to get competing pieces of advice. In fact, something that I've probably said today contradicts something that your most cherished mentor may have said to you. And the the point being, it's like you, you get to have the opportunity to learn and experiment and, and try things out when you're just graduating from college or while you're still in college. So I say go with it. And more specifically, Lean into what you're naturally good at. Are you a good planner? Are you good? Are you very analytical? Like, what is the skill set that you're bringing to the table? Develop other things so that it's complementary. But like, you got to start by tapping in what comes just naturally to you, and that is certainly something that has benefited me in my career. Um, the second thing that I'll say is. Um, Authenticity and who you are and the person that you bring to every conversation and to every meeting and to every interview is insanely important. I think we find ourselves, particularly in this industry, trying to one-up each other, even though we don't know who we're trying to one-up. And as you go about your day and you're building a network, you should just be fully focused on yourself and that, you know, whatever relationship is in front of you, whatever opportunity is in front of you, and be able to speak with such clarity why it's important to you. Because what, what I find all too often is people reaching out because they're like, oh my God, Ruben works at CAA and I love CAA and I, I, you know, I, wanna, I wanna meet with him and I wanna talk to him. Um, people come in so desperate to get a job that they're like, oh my God, yes, I know all of these people. I know all these things, I know this. And then they get into the interview with you know second round and they can't answer even more specific questions. And it's like, okay, well, now you've actually lost a total opportunity. Whereas if you actually walked in your most authentic self and understanding what it is that you, you personally are going to get from an opportunity, I think is really, um, a bit of a game changer, right? Instead of trying to be all things to that person or trying to fit perfectly into the box understanding, well, these are my strengths and this is where I kind of have to learn. And this is what I'm hoping I get from you. Right? Like, even if you look at my colleagues that I work with every day, All of us even manage our assistants differently. I love to mentor, I love to teach, I love to like help people develop their skill set. And I I'm okay if somebody comes in there like, I don't know everything. I don't want you to. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I kind of don't want you to. I want to know how this helps you grow. Right. And so I guess we've kind of gone down that recruiting path. But the the big picture being know who you are and why like what is interesting to you about this industry. Um, is really, really important. The third thing I will say um, is as much as it's important to have a dream job, a dream company, a dream career in your mind, right? The long-term plan. Um, I think it's equally as important that you learn to develop and craft a point of view. Mm -hmm. We we see this a lot, right? And this comes up in meetings all the time. In fact, I sit in a meeting at the company where we talk about shows and things that we've seen and the show will come up. And it's so funny to see how somebody will be like, oh my God, I love that show. I binged it and I just appreciated it so much. And then three other people in the room are like, I couldn't get past the first episode. They were like, I turned that off immediately. The thing that is so critical about being successful in this industry, especially if you wanna be a creative or you wanna be in the world where you work with creatives is really figuring out how to establish your taste and your point of view. It could not be more valuable. So as you're thinking about going into networking meetings or, you know, talking to folks or going into interviews, as you're researching companies, have a point of view of what that means, right? If you want to be an, an agent, right? You want to be a say you want to be a scripted television agent. Well, what kind of TV do you like? What are you watching? Who are some of your favorite showrunners? Which networks um, and studios are producing the content that you like, right? You don't have to know all the executives, but We all know the brand of certain networks um, and studios and producers and having a point of view on like why that's exciting to you. Why is that cool? That is probably one of the most critical pieces that is always left off of the table Mm -hmm. that people feel like they need to work so hard to match and meet the culture and personality and brand of the company that they're interviewing at. And not enough to say, well, this is why. This is my point of view as to why I think I want to work at a company here. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I, I can remember interviews that I've had with folks for internships here at CAA that are like, oh my God, you know, I'd love to work at CAA. You guys represent like so and so. And they start rattling off all these names. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> I work here. I know that we represent oh. those clients. Mm-hmm. I understand that. What does it mean to your career? Mm-hmm. What does it, like, what do you hope to gain from being at a place that represents those people? I don't need a laundry list of my clients. Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why? How? How is this additive to your career from other places, mm-hmm. right? You like this, this client in particular. Why? You like this showrunner. Why? What do you love about their content? What do you love about their style? Point of view and taste is so critical to having a successful career in this industry. And it's never too early to start developing that.
0: hmm That's, you know, great feedback because I think so many people, they hear, I want to be in entertainment and that idea of it is more important to them than actually the, when they are in it, what does that mean to them? What does it mean? Um, You know, I get, you know, a lot of people are, you know, not blinded, but they see more about the celebrity and the glitz and the glamour, but it's hard work and it's hard work that in the end, like you're saying, you need to have a why because A lot of times that glitz and glamour will fade quickly when you're working hard and you're you know putting yourself out there or you're rejected um but all you know but then there also are successes and highs and wins but you also have to be ready to put in the work to get those wins to sustain you through and you've had a long career in entertainment but i'm sure that's also a lot of having to really reinforce your why and reevaluate, you know, again, why are you still at the same company? Why are you now moving to a different team? Or why are you now doing a new project? Or, you know, yeah. I'm sure you've had to refine your why in many respects.
1: hundred percent. And if you're not, like I said, I'm 35 years old. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And I'm totally okay with it. And mm-hmm. everybody should be because even the industry, even the company that I walked into, you know, almost 11 years ago at CAA, is insanely different from the company that it is today
0: yeah
1: i don't even know that anybody in the world knew what an nft could be back then yeah so you know i think you kind of want to be in this constant state of reaffirming the why and figuring out are there new opportunities that help you continue to achieve that goal this mm-hmm. industry isn't going to go anywhere the only thing that's going to change is how we do business mm-hmm. and what deals look like right back in the day gotta die. you like we're now talking about how deals need to be revisited for all of these shows that are popping up on Netflix. When, those, when some of these shows were originally around in the nineties, there was no concept of a streaming service.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so
1: now it's just kind of puts us in this constant state. So if you love that, then this industry is, is really well suited for you, right? If you're a creative person, to your point, you're a creative person, you're out there. You're going to hear no a lot more than you're going to hear Yes. So you got to learn to be comfortable with that, right? It's kind of like when I talk to people about the business of representation, what it means to have an agent, what it means to have a manager. Um, you want people who are invested in you and your style of to- storytelling. There are hundreds of agents, hundreds of managers. you got to put in the work to find the person who's really going to be like, you know what? I like how you tell stories. I like what you are like. I understand that vision. I watch the same things you watch. Mm-hmm. Those are the things to look out for in this industry, because that's where the connections start to get made. Mm-hmm. And that will, that will take you also a long way in the industry.
0: That's great. Yeah. I feel, again, we could go hours and hours, hours. you know, talking about the first topic <laughs> and now the second topic. But, you know, I wanted to be, you know, we usually, we have our, we have a lightning round coming up, or rapid fire. But before Uh-oh. we go to that, I wanted to ask you, what does success mean to you and how do you define it in your own life? You know, I think a lot of people, students and alumni, think that success looks and feels or is a specific thing. Um, And we want to know what yours is. What does it look like for you? You know,
1: success for me is connected to legacy. And we talked a little bit about that, right? So look, let's go back to, to, UCLA Spring Sing 2008. The fact that I hope to be able to walk onto that campus in 10 years to go to that show and to see that award given out is gonna make me feel so proud and successful because it's something that I was able to help leave for the community that I, you know, that I was a part of. When I think about my it's, it, a version of this question was asked of of me recently, and I said, you know, one of the things that I'm most proud of, and one of the things that I will continue to be proud of um, is the fact that I have been able to create opportunities and open doors for for people who have you know never envisioned a role for them uh for themselves in this industry right i've met and and interviewed hundreds of candidates for a variety of different jobs at caa some of them questioned me when i hired them and now they're crushing the game as agents building businesses for themselves and i could not be more proud of that and so that's success to me. I mean, for me, obviously, like there's there's so many different ways to take this question, but when I think about at the end of my career, what I'm gonna be most proud of, it's gonna be that. It's gonna be hopefully mm-hmm. the fact that I've like built this house and I've built this house with no windows and no doors, so that anybody who wants access to get in can get in. Mm-hmm. Right? Don't rob me, <laughs> but come on in. Right? Bring a ladder, climb through the window, yep. um, show me what you got, and. You know, if I can have any part of the, of the, or be in any part of your journey with you, that's great. But that, that's really what excites me the most is, mm-hmm. yeah, of course I'd love to get paid and I'd love to have that. Like, I'd love all of that, mm-hmm. but I I'm so much more proud of um, the people that I'm in community with just because of the job that I've had and the, the opportunities that I've been able to create. So yeah. that's, that's, that's what I'd say.
0: And you also said it earlier, you want to change the complexion of Hollywood and entertainment, yeah. you know, and that was, that's very clear. It's very direct and I, you're, you're doing it in you know, one day at a time, one, one person, time. one client at a time, one project at a time. Um, and I know that you'll have that legacy too, of changing the, le- you know, the complexion, the experience that is Hollywood and that is entertainment. So thank you yeah. for the work that you're doing. Well, thank you. So we have a couple of fun, rapid fire questions. We ask all of our interviews this
1: right, in the spirit of
0: curiosity and learning. What is a great book or article you've read recently?
1: Um, oh man, I'm in the middle of a lot of books and unfortunately I'm in the middle of another one, but I'm really excited about it. It's the new Will Smith book. Okay. I, you- I just picked it up um, at the airport and I got into it a couple of pages. So, and then my my contact fell out and I couldn't find it. So I couldn't keep reading, but (laughs) the first couple of pages seem really amazing. So that I'm excited about.
0: Okay. We're going to need a, a, you know, check in later to how, when you finish the book. I
1: promise. I promise.
0: Okay. So what is second rapid fire question? What is your favorite place on campus?
1: Oh man. Um, I would, I mean, look as, a former Springsteen director, LATC is very important to me. Um, But my favorite place to just like go and hang had to have been like that Royce Plaza, like to just oh, yeah. be there. It's just so serene and so special. had a lot yeah. of really good heart to hearts there, a lot of really yeah. good studying there. So nothing tops that for me.
0: No, I totally agree with you. Royce, Quad Plaza, all of it is just so, it's a, it's a it can be a very defining place. For it's many
1: really special. Mm-hmm. It is so special. Yeah. Yeah,
0: definitely. Okay, last one. Uh, okay. Is, what is your favorite UCLA memory? You've talked about spring sing already. You can go back to that, or if you want to do another one, what's your favorite UCLA? Oh memory?
1: man, that is pretty brutal. Okay, so this one's a little bit controversial. Oh. Okay. But when we did blue and gold week the 139 year Ooh. if anybody's listening from that year 139 yes
0: 139
1: year i think it was what 07 yep. or maybe it was blue and gold week yep. 06 yep um oh man that was so much drama because we at the last <laughs> minute were not allowed to light the bonfire so we made a bonfetti yes yes my former blue and gold week <laughs> cohorts are listening to this we were yes. bonfetti 24/7 trying to bring so much enthusiasm and people were so mad about it because they were like, we want to fire the pyros okay. at UCLA. We're like, light it up. And we're like, no, we can't. We'll burn our campus down. Yeah. But, we, but we won that year. You did. I think you started that trend. We, we, we won that year. And... I remember being at the game that year and people were like, it was the Bonfetti. And I was like, tell all your friends it was the Bonfetti because everybody was so mad.
0: Uh Of that. They weren't mad after that game. I'm pretty sure everyone was very happy.
1: God, no. People were thrilled after that game. It was so exhilarating. And then I just loved that people were like, it was the Bonfetti. That, That was like the magic touch. I was like, tell your friends, because people were, were hating on us, but what a memory, man. It was was a a great night, nonetheless, that led to a really amazing outcome, so I loved it, and of course, Spring Sing 2008. Sorry, I was going to say it again.
0: (laughs) Well, that was also a very quite excellent year as well, so thank you for sharing your favorite memories. Well, that, you know, again, we could go on and on, But thank you for taking the time to share with us, the Bruin Success podcast audience, a little bit about your story, but also the great work that you're doing. Um, You know, we want to, you know, I know you're always very open for people to connect with you. Um, But, you know, I know our listeners will probably want to like pick your brain on more things. But um, where do people find you if they do want to connect with
1: you? You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, definitely send me a message there. I check it as often as I can. I do give myself a little bit of a rule. I try to take a couple at least dedicate like an hour and a half to informational interviews every week again because that's important to me. So I will cram in as many people as I can. But if you see me on campus at ENN Or entertainment networking night for those who don't know it
0: entertainment networking
1: night entertainment networking night. I've absolutely loved. I've tried to show up every year. So if you see me there anywhere, please come say hello and Again, thank you so much for inviting me to this. This was just so fun and so great. So I appreciate the invite.
0: Well, thank you so much, Ruben. Thanks again for an amazing interview. Thank you to Ruben for his insights and what a great interview. Our career tip for this episode is from Marie Edema, class of 2006. Marie says, when choosing what to do next, don't worry about whether you're using your degree or how it ladders into a career path or if it makes sense to hiring managers or your family for that matter. Whatever you choose is the right step. It is the building of the skills, experiences, learnings, and the network you need for your dream job, even if you don't know what that is right now. So get out there and make your choice. Thanks Marie for sharing this great tip. Whether you are a student or alumni, this tip is important so you don't get stuck. Make the choice and trust yourself. If you have a career tip you want to share, send it our way at ace at support.ucla.edu. Thanks for listening to the podcast and go Bruins.